You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. We're talking about practice. Hello, you play to win the game. The Yankees are champions of baseball. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Three, two, one. Happy 2000. No time on the clock, and the Patriots have won Super Bowl 36. Short open. Chicago with the lead! Worldwide Sports Radio Network presents Below the Mark. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, our show is played every single Thursday. Below the Mic is always every single Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in New York. As you know, you can follow us by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You can search us on all our social medias. And yes, guys, by the way, our app is now up on iOS and Android. How do you find us? If you go to iOS, you search us by going to WWSRN. And if you go to the Android app, you go to Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And you can find us, our label, our our logo is up in black. You download it. It's free. And you can read all our stories for our fabulous interns. You can read all the different um, – watch all the different clips on our network. You can see everything and, and keep in touch with us by going to our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram. Everything is on our app. So definitely if you don't have our app, download our app now. It is on Android and iOS. We have a great show lined up for everybody as well. We have two special guests. We have the Portland Trailblazers power forward, Caleb Swanigan, who's going to be joining us at 6.30. And then we have uh, NFL prospect, David Pindell, who's going to be joining us at 7 o'clock. So we have a great show lined up for you guys. We're going to talk about uh, the NCAA situation right now where players have an opportunity to make some money while they're playing in the NCAA uh, for the basketball season. So that's going to be something that we will get into. And uh, Brad actually wrote a story on our network where you guys can check it out. Go to our app right now and read our stories. Brad has a new article up. Uh, it's a great story, so definitely check that out. And we're going to talk. Ab- we're going to talk to Caleb Swinigan about that as well when we interview him. But as you guys know, it's Thursday, and what do we do, Speedy? Sports and entertainment news. There we go. Hit it, Speedy. As everybody knows, Andy Dalton wants out of the Cincinnati Bengals because they drafted Joe Burrows, and he got his wish. Andy Dalton was let go and released by the Cincinnati Bengals today. So is the New England Patriots the team that's going to bring him in? I believe that's a possibility. He's a guy that uh, he's been very successful in the NFL. He hasn't won any playoff games, but his regular season numbers have been very, very good. I think he fits really the Patriots culture. I think he'll be the best quarterback on that team right now. With, uh, oh, he definitely would be. With uh, Hoyer and uh, who's the Jared who the, Stidham. Stidham, who I don't even know who he is. So He was a fourth-round pick last year. Well, I know who he is, year. but who, we don't know who he is. Right, so. He hasn't played. He had a nice preseason last year, but that's all we know. <laughs> there's an article right now coming out that there's a good chance that the Green Bay Packers after this year might trade Aaron Rodgers. Now, there are five teams that could be very interested in Aaron Rodgers, and now that they signed Jordan Love... 
are the really are the Packers thinking about trading Aaron Rodgers in the future? He's 36 years old. I do still believe he's the best quarterback in the NFL all around. Quarterback in the NFL. The questions are going to be handled by Aaron Rodgers all season long. Is this team a championship competitive team, or are the, is this team built to win a championship? That only can be told by the ownership of this team. So. Is the Green Bay Packers going to trade Aaron Rodgers? Only time will tell. I don't think it'll be this year. I think if they were to do it, it would be next year. If they maybe, if he's playing well and the team isn't kind of thing. But beyond that, I don't see it. There's an article right now in the Texas uh, Tribune. Uh, is the Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson upset over DeAndre Hopkins trade? Of course he's upset. <laughs> Duh. His number one target is traded away to the Arizona Cardinals. And he... Who's his number one target right now? Uh, Will Fuller, if he's healthy. <laughs> I mean, he, he he doesn't have a top. He brought in Cook. Uh, uh, Bra- uh, okay, Brandon Cook. Brandon Cook. So yeah, right. they brought him in. So he has weapons, but none of these guys are DeAndre Hopkins. So of course he's angry. And and there were stories coming out uh, earlier this uh, this week that he wants out of the Texans. So I don't know if that's going to happen because he's their franchise quarterback and he's their franchise player, but. That could happen after next year, especially if it's a bad season with uh, the Texans. <laughs> the NFL is weighing Saturday games if college football doesn't resume in the fall. Well, this is an interesting story. Uh, as you guys know, at the end of the season, the NFL has Saturday games uh, before the playoffs. Is the NFL going to bring Saturday games if there isn't college football? I think it's a good idea. I really do. Because what it adds, it adds uh, more people interested in watching football, especially on Saturday, especially on a major channel, ESPN or Channel 7, or maybe the NFL Network. So I think it's a great idea for the NFL if they plan to do that. I think it's something interesting to consider if they replace Thursdays, maybe, because there's a lot of players that hate Thursday night football. So it might be an alternative option for maybe this one season. Maybe they replace Thursday night football with the Saturday. The 49er fans should be worried about silence regarding the George Kittle contract extension talks. Well, George Kittle wants a big-time contract. This is the best tight end in football right now. It's either him or Travis Kelsey. Both players played against one another in the Super Bowl. And George Kittle, the last two years, has been the most explosive tight end in football. He's going to demand a big-time contract. Is the 49ers going to offer it to him? Well, they decided to get rid of Bruckner. He, he, Buckner, he went to uh, the Indianapolis Colts in a trade. They, they decided to bring in a defensive tackle in the first round. It's, it's, good, it's a good question. I don't know where the 49ers are going with this. George Kittle, they can get a lot back for. So that's quite possibly could happen. Why would they trade him, though, when it's such a big drop-off with him and the next best just overall target on that team? Sure, they have pass-catching running backs, but they're multiple pass-catching running backs. There's not one set guy. And unless Brandon Ayuk develops into a number one receiver, which will be hard right away, they don't have that either. Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers feels like an odd man out. And he should be. Jordan Love, this is the same thing that happened to Brett Favre. And even though Aaron, there were stories coming out that Aaron Rodgers reached out to Jordan Love, you know Aaron Rodgers isn't happy about this. He is definitely not happy about this. And Brett Favre, who's not really close with Aaron Rodgers, and I know he's digging into Aaron Rodgers now because I'm sure a lot of people were digging into him when Aaron Rodgers was a prospect uh, as the backup quarterback. So uh, that's, a, that's a crazy story that Brett Favre came out and took a shot at Aaron Rodgers. I think the difference in the two circumstances, though, is this Packers team, I think, needs more than that 05 team that drafted Aaron Rodgers. I think they had more positions on defense complete already, offensive line. 
I think the only thing they really needed was a running back and maybe some secondary help. But even that wasn't much in comparison to what they need now. NBA News. Magic Johnson admit years ago he helped keep Isaiah Thomas off the Dream Team due to gay and bisexual rumors. Now, obviously, with the stories coming out that HIV, when, when Magic Johnson came out a couple years before, that he was HIV positive, there were stories coming out that Isaiah Thomas was taking shots at Magic Johnson. And everybody thought it was Michael Jordan's fault that Isaiah Thomas was not on the Dream Team. Well, stories coming out that Larry Bird ends. Magic Johnson did not want him playing on the team. And Magic Johnson had revealed it the other day that he did not want him on the team because of the stories coming out uh, that he thought he was bisexual or gay. So that's an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Lin reveals hey. <laughs> he wanted the worst contracts with the Rockets so the Knicks would match. Everybody knows Jeremy Lin wanted to stay a New York Knick. Every single person. He had his best years. Well, his best year with the New York Knicks. Basically three Lin Sanity. <laughs> yeah. And, and he tried to get a lot of money out of the New York Knicks, and the Knicks didn't match, and he went to the Rockets, and he's been all over the place ever since. So that's an interesting story because Danny Radical told me he was watching old Knick games yesterday with uh, Lin Sanity. It's interesting because the Knicks are not normally like that for, for being just short of a contract. They're more known for like overpaying guys later. They, that made them look like the Mets. As you guys know, we interview the play-by-play guy for the Washington uh, Bullets or the Washington um, Wizards. The Wizards. I, I always call them the Bullets because it, they change the names all, all the time, just like the Hornets do. <laughs> but the John Wall and Bradley Bill problem for the Washington Wizards is a huge story right now. And I was very surprised that uh, the play-by-play, uh, what's his name? Kushner? Justin Kutcher. Kutcher. Uh, is it Kutcher or Kutcher? Kutcher. Kutcher. He didn't really talk about that. He was talking about John Wall coming back from his Achilles uh, tear. And he wasn't talking about that John Wall and Bradley Beal do not like each other. And the locker rooms did not... It didn't work out when they were both in the locker room. And now that John Wall's coming back, are they going to be be able to contend with each other on the same bench? I, di- I beg to differ. I do believe the Washington Wizards this offseason will trade John Wall because they do not get along. Very interesting. But they might end up having to sell low on him. Meta World Peace really, really wants to coach the New York Knicks. That will not happen especially with the New York Knicks bringing old players to coach this team. We've seen it enough. The Knicks want to bring in a, a reliable head coach. I hope they want to. And they don't want to bring in a guy that's never coached a team or doesn't have a background in coaching. So, Metta World Peace, please say no to the New York Knicks. And also, former players being GMs of our team, Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. MLB rumors. Players need to emotionally flicker. Fans provide Buck Showalter says. Now, Buck Showalter has come out with Major League Baseball mulling its options of returning to play uh, for the coronavirus. Buck Showalter, who managed the the only game in Major League history played without spectators, said fans are a critical component and having games without team, without fans, without them will hurt the league. So... Uh, Buck Showalter, who's one of the most reliable and most respectable coaches and managers in all of sports, especially in MLB, coming out and saying that, I think the major leagues have to look at that. And if you are going to bring fans in, you have to you have to have a minimum amount of fans to come and watch the games. Mm-hmm. Split them up. That's if what I, I was saying early on. Like, why not have it like where they're maybe ten rows apart or something like that? Not even ten rows. You every 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 other chair. 
or every other two chairs. That's six uh, feet. Even, probably even more than that. There were some stadiums. So I, I think Buck Showalter has a very good argument to that. It, spectators make the game. It does. Yeah, limited to maybe, what, 500 or 1,000 fans that can come. First, first come, first serve kind of thing, too. And last story. The Rays are the first team in the MLB to offer furloughs to employees. Could you imagine that? Out of all the teams with the least amount of money, the Tampa Bay Rays are first or they're the first team in the MLB offering furloughs to the employees. Hmm. That's that's pretty interesting. When you have the Yankees, the Mets, uh, the 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 Boston Red Sox, all these multi-billion-dollar owners, and the only team so far has offered furloughs to their employees is the Tampa Bay Rays. Interesting. Very interesting. And that is the week in entertainment. In sports, here on Below the Mic. As you guys know, uh, we do have a Caleb Swanigan that's going to be joining us very, very soon at 6.30. But before we have him on, I do want to get into this story. And Speedy, uh, there is a story coming out in the NCAA that uh, NCAA wants to now let players, well, it's right now in the voting. And why don't you tell the fans a little bit about So this? right now, the NCAA is considering an option where players of any sport, no matter what it is, would would get royalties off of their names and likeness. That would include the jersey sales. That would include any sponsorships they have for Is that for football and basketball? It's for every sport. Any sport that has name and likeness associated with it. Because obviously the NCAA is the governing body of everything within Division One, And obviously there's going to be more sports, obviously, like football, that'll get more than others. But it's it's with the whole NCAA, any Division One school, any FBS and FCS football teams would be included in this. So they can make money off their names and likenesses. So what Reggie Bush was stripped of his Heisman for, what jo- Johnny Manziel... Does he get it back? Uh, we'll see. What Johnny Manziel was criticized for when he was there will now potentially become legal. So we'll see on how that develops. And it probably is that first step kind of thing to these college athletes getting money. Now, whether, again, whether they it's a fair distribution, whether it's a distribution that will cause controversy, we'll see. Whether it's a distribution that could cause controversy with the companies, too, we'll see. But it's definitely a step that a lot of these college athletes and, again, these programs want to take in order to get these athletes' money. It's a very interesting story. And my argument to this is if this, if this has been going on for years – and there are a lot of players that were trying to make money on jersey sales, trying to make money on autograph sales. Now all of a sudden the NCAA, because I believe that a lot of these players, and I'm not even talking about football, a lot of these basketball players with the NBA, with the G League, they're, they're starting to plan to go and play in the G League instead of going to play in co- going to play for a college team because they can make $500,000, up to $500,000. They can make endorsement deals right now with the G League. So why would you go and play for a college basketball team when you can make all your money right now and then have the opportunity a year later to go into the NBA. So I, I think I think the NCAA have to find a way where these players can bring in revenue where they can stay and play for a college basketball team. Well that will always or be, a football team. That will always be a dilemma too though with the G League versus the college basketball just because again the G League also has a lot of guys that were already drafted into the NBA that are again essentially in an informal minor league system too just like NFL practice squads that they actually compete. So will that help or hurt their development too is another question rather than going to play where you're a top option on Why do you think it would hurt their development? It could depending on Why the, because they're making money the level of com- the level of competition. If anything that'll help them. 
because they'll want to play hard because they're going to make more money for autographs or make more money for jersey sales. Sure, but it also is, a, to an extent, could hurt them if they're not ready for that kind of thing right away, if their body's still growing into Oh, it, give me a break. If they're an 18-year-old. These if, kids have been primed and ready to go when they're 15 years old. Their parents have pushed them. If their parents think that they're going to be superstars at a young age, they've been pushing them. They go to all these camps. They go to travel teams. They absolutely are ready to make money. I beg to differ on that. Not make money. I'm talking about the level of competition. The competition is. Making money is going to build the level of competition. It always happens. You're telling me right now if LeBron James could have made money going to play for college basketball and signing and getting autographs and you know jersey sales and stuff like that, you don't think he would have went and played one year in college? No, 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 I'm not even talking about college. I'm talking about But players. that's what I'm talking about. Oh, I thought you were talking about players going into the G League. No, I'm talking about players that you know the NCAA is trying to figure out a way for these players to make some money where they can come and play college ball or come right. and play okay. college football. Because I, to me, I understand how the NCAA, NCAA are trying to keep... With the NFL, the NFL will not let you come and play NFL football until really your junior three years, league. Three years. Yeah, your junior league, your junior year. So if, if, if the college football NCAA will not do that, I know basketball and, and the NBA is trying to finger, figure out ways for these guys to go and play in the G League where it'll help their G League out. It'll bring in more revenue for TV deals and all that other stuff where they can make money off the TV deals. The kids can make money and endorsements. I think this is a good idea, and I, I think it will – drive a lot of these young student athletes from high school to go and play college ball for at least a year and make some money. Or uh, some of these football players that are complaining that they're not getting anything for the TV deals or uh, the ball game deals that they're making millions and millions of dollars where they can get something out of it too. So I think this is a very good deal, and I think they absolutely should approve it. Approve now, of it. now, what worries me as well with this is all, not the not the big names because the big names you like you're saying if LeBron James was a college basketball player, yes, he'd have a ton of sponsorships, ton of jersey sales, whatever. It's more of anything else that breaks out players of schools that aren't really as big. Are they going to start getting jealous too? And that's what worries me in terms of getting more scandals involved and stuff like that too. So. It's definitely a two-front battle. There's always going to be scandals in college basketball, football, baseball. There's always going to be scandals because this has been going on for years. These players have been making money for, money for years. You, everybody makes it seem like this isn't, this, isn't, this isn't going on for years and years and years. It's been going on since the 70s, the 60s, where there are, there are schools and, and endorsers paying these guys to wave their products out there or when they're ready to go into the NBA or the NFL where they're going to make money off endorsements by promoting their deals because they already have deals when they're in high school right. or college. I think Dick Stockton, when he, we had him on, was mentioning the 1981, I believe it was, the Villanova team that went into got into a lot of trouble with their with their scholarships, the way they brought them in with the, with the pay-to-play kind of thing. He thinks that was – I think he said that was one of the first times he ever saw something like that. So it definitely has been going on a while and probably – For the, years. And probably, again, half the cases haven't even been investi- – or not investigated, but haven't been caught in terms of proving it yet that we don't know about. And again, the NCAA will still be able to investigate. I mean Louisville – they only got caught, I think, four years later or something like that in 2017 for their 13 title with the whole Rick Patino thing. So I just think there could be more of that. And again, I don't want the student athletes. So you're telling me that the players shouldn't get any money? Well, no, I'm not saying they shouldn't. I, I think if you deserve the money, and again, you are that talented player, you, you can get the money. I'm just worried about because it's such a big entity, the NCAA. It's not just, again, 
20 teams. It's, but it's you know, you know, plus schools where, again, that could lead to other things and could, could lead to a lot of sketchiness within, again, black market stuff. We saw that what happened with Nike, anything like that. It worries me about the other ones that, again, think they deserve the sponsorships and aren't getting them is what I'm more worried about. Well, again, if, if these players aren't getting something out of going to play college ball, they're going to go and play college ball for one year and get nothing out of it. They're not going to get their college education, and then they wind up going into the NBA or the uh, well, just we'll talk about the uh, the NBA because the NFL, you have to play two years of uh, collegiate football before you can absolutely right. uh, put yourself as a prospect in the NFL. But uh, I again, my argument is is that the NBA is trying to find ways for these kids to go and play in the G League so they don't go and play in the NCAA and where they can make money off endorsements and sales off of their jerseys right now instead of waiting a year until they're getting drafted for an NBA team. So I think this is a very, very good idea. Hopefully it gets approved because I've been saying that players, college players should be getting paid or getting something out of going and playing for a school. They're, they're making all that money and all that, uh, all that uh, publicity sponsorship right. for that school, and they're getting nothing out of it. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And I think the royalties will be a suitable amount, too, depending on how popular you are, how talented you are, too. So I don't think it would be enough where they could get themselves in trouble or anything like that because that was my main worry when we were, we were having that argument about the pay-to-play thing. But in terms of, again, every sport doing it, remember – the separate entities are not a thing. The NCAA is governing for everything. So even if basketball is doing it, that doesn't mean the other sports will follow just because they don't have another minor league type thing. So that's the other thing that you have to look at. Is it going to be just a basketball thing where, again, other sports are going to start uh, trying to do different things to manipulate them, their players getting paid? I just think there's too many athletes where it's going to lead to some problems too, even though, again, some will benefit. Well, we'll I, I definitely – my argument here, and we will see what's going to happen if, it, if this does get approved, but I believe it should get approved, and I really do believe that the NCAA have to give something back to these players that are only going over there and playing one year of ba- collegiate basketball, and some of these football players that are superstar players that can blow their knees out or, or something happens in college football where they never get a chance to play professional football again. So – uh, to me, I think that these players should get something out of going to college, especially if they're not getting an education. So that's my, my argument to that. When we come back, we have NBA player, power forward from the Portland Trailblazers, Caleb Swanigan, here on Below the Mic. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, this is Below the Mic. We are live every single Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're here in New York. As you guys know, and you can call us at 631-965-4990. And we have our special guest. We are going to be talking to the Portland Trailblazers power forward, Caleb Swanigan. What's up, Caleb? Hey, how are you doing, sir? We are good, my friend. How are you and your family? Um, my family's doing well. Oh, man, this has been really, really crazy what's going on right now with uh, the COVID-19 and nothing's open. People are losing their jobs. It's absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there's a lot going on right now. You've got to uh, stay with faith. You've got to stay with your faith right now. And a lot of people don't do a lot of different things. Uh, that's the biggest thing I'm doing right now to keep me grounded. 
As you guys know, we're talking to power forward Caleb Swanigan. Now, Caleb, uh, do you think there's going to be another – do you think the NBA season's going to come back this year, or do you think they're going to cancel it? Um, to be honest, I'm not absolutely sure. I feel like a lot of us are doing what a lot of other people do, focusing on our family and times like that because um, it's an unforeseen circumstance for the entire world. So uh, no one really has an answer, and that's, um, that's kind of where it feels like I'm at right now too. I just don't have a clear-cut opinion on anything as far as how the next season will forecome. Caleb, what got you into playing basketball the most, and was it the first sport you got into when you were when you were a kid, or when, even when you were in high school, whenever that was? Um, I played a lot of sports. It was it was the first thing I really was passionate about that soccer and football. I played football up until ninth grade, and then I stopped. I didn't play soccer or anything past um, grade school, so it was pretty much basketball and football. Caleb, what is it like playing with Carmelo Anthony? We're from New York, and Carmelo Anthony has been here for many, many years, almost seven years with the New York Knicks. He he signed with the Trailblazers. What was it like playing with a great power forward of that magnitude? Uh, it was very fun. It was He learned a lot from Melo and the way he plays the game of basketball and the way he approaches life. Um, very diligent in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, it was good to see that and good to see people still holding themselves to a high uh, high a high moral standard is what I should say, and uh, he's a guy that does that. Caleb, growing up, which player influenced you the most, or players influenced you the most when it came to developing your game, whether it was in high school, your, when you were at Purdue, or even in the pros? What players did you look up to the most? Um, the most players that influenced my game would most likely be um, Carmelo, you know, one I play with now. He's a player that definitely influenced um, how I played basketball and how I wanted to approach the game. Um, and most of the time, it was just guys that are around me. Um, Reggie Tharp, he's a, just a teammate and a guy that I played against a lot, but he pushed me a lot um, through high school, you know, just with his difference of style of game. So those would be the two. We are talking to Portland Trailblazers power forward Caleb Swanigan. What is it like playing with a great player of Damon, Damon, uh, I'm sorry, Damian Lillard's standard? I mean, this guy is the best point guard in my eyes in the NBA. He's been the best point guard in the NBA for the last couple of years. What is it like playing with a guy of that magnitude? Um, it's, uh, it's very fun. You never know what Damien is. He's going to just get hot and make the next five or six shots in a row. You just It keeps you competitive because, you know, with a guy like that and guys like Melo, and um, as we get healthy, you know, you really can make a run because everyone knows when it comes to the playoffs, it's just time to play. Plays on Savius players at that point. So, um that's why I was saying, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an honorable thing to play with Dame. You know, it's fun. Is there anything that you take in from, from Damian Lillard, even if you guys are obviously two different positions, but there's anything you've learned from a great player like that, too, that maybe has helped your game grow, not necessarily to more of a guard game, but, again, other mm -hmm. skills that uh, you could adopt from him? Just knowing how to set screens with um, guys that are attacking. You know, when I first came into the NBA, I wasn't a pick-and-roll big at all because it's just not how we played, so – with Dame and CJ guys that if you set the screen, they're going to either score one out of two times. If it's a good screen, you know, that's a, it's different. You got to learn how to roll and play in the pocket rather than um, be the, be the main um, option out of the pick and roll. Now, Trevor Ariza was also a New York Nick. He's, he's been a journeyman throughout the league. He's one of the most underrated defensive players in the NBA that nobody even talks about. Tell me a little bit about Trevor Ariza, playing with him and his style of game. Has he taught you anything defensively? 
Um, just tenacity, you know, that's what he does. He always plays hard, and that's um the biggest thing he says every single time is just goes out there and compete, does what the coach says, and doesn't make it um make it too difficult. And that's why I believe he's um uh that's why I believe he's been in the league for so many years. In addition to the Blazers, you also had a stint with the Sacramento Kings, and they made an interesting hire as a head coach, bringing in Luke Walton. What did you think of him in your time at the beginning of the season there? And do you think he might have got a raw deal with teams like the Warriors or the Lakers, who are bigger names? Um, Luke went into what he wanted to because you know he made that choice as far as um going with the Kings. I know what happened with the Lakers was you know it's just what happens with a lot of business. We get moved around like I got traded, and uh, he went there with a good attitude and um just continued to coach. I didn't mind. I didn't mind Luke Walton at all as a coach. Um, so. It was uh, it wasn't bad. It's just a lot of different changes that people don't realize. We went to India and then a new team, a new roster. So that takes time with anything and anyone. So I really don't have any um, for how things turned out. If they seem sour there, I just I don't have any malice or anything with the organization. The organization was well, and I liked it when I was there. We are talking to Portland Trail Blazers power forward Caleb Swanigan. Now, Caleb, you have one of the youngest, most talented teams right now in the Western Conference. You have Damian Lillard, Carmelo Anthony, Nurkic, uh, uh, CJ McCollum, Hassan Whiteside, Trevor Ariza. So much talent. Do you guys think that you're on a cusp of doing something great in the Western Conference? Absolutely. We all don't have any other goal than winning the championship. Even when I was a rookie, um, that was my goal when I came to Portland. That's something I want to do. And, you know, with this type of talent around, you know, that we have, you know, it's not even around me. That's how talented we are. Um, it's exciting to get out there and get minutes and compete because I know if we compete and do the right things, we'll win now, we'll win later, we'll win for some more years. Caleb, Damian Lillard before this All-Star break had a had one of the greatest stretches you could see in NBA history. I think he had 30, mm-hmm. 30 get points in pretty much, I think, 10 out of 12 games or something like that. It was just an insane streak. Where does that rank among what you've seen maybe even growing up or even just encountered throughout the league that you've seen. Oh, that, that was no, that was number one. I've never seen anything like that in person or even when I was in high school and stuff like that. I didn't watch enough games in a row of Kobe's to see every single one to be like that. So just to be in the game and seeing that it was yeah, that, that ranks is number one. Speaking of Kobe Bryant, I mean the, the unbelievable story that came out a couple of months ago, uh, his death, uh, the growth of the NBA really rode on Kobe Bryant when he was a Laker and really drove, you know, ever since he retired. What were your thoughts when you heard that Kobe Bryant passed away in that heli- helicopter uh, plane crash? I mean, helicopter crash. Um, it was absolutely sad. I just really didn't know what to think. Um, just, you know, mainly prayers to his family, didn't take it personal, and things like that, because it is basketball, and um, basketball is basketball, and he was a father to his kids and things like that, so... Um, just all, all to the family and let the family, um, you know, grieve and mourn. I tried not to post and be too anything about it because it wasn't um, wasn't about me. On that particular day, and even preceding days after that, when when Kobe and Gianna Bryant did pass away, a lot of teams were doing the eight second uh, violations, the twenty four second violations to honor them. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of players were playing with heavy hearts. What was your uh, thought process on playing those days? Because there was a stretch of time when we did we thought the NBA would just cancel the games too um uh yeah it just was it was um it was just different it was a lot of the NBA and a lot of the NBA family had that had been just around Kobe Bryant or met Kobe I hadn't met him personally so I couldn't I couldn't emphasize or what I say I couldn't promote empathy the way that the others could but I could feel the energy that was around and um 
it just was a it was a tough, tough, tough time to play basketball. It was just it just was. We are talking to Portland Trailblazers power forward, Caleb Swanigan. Caleb, is there a player right now that you play against that you're like you're standing on the court and you're like, Wow, I'm I'm actually playing against this particular player. Is there a player that stands out to you? No. I don't have that anymore. I've um grown past that. <laughs> Very interesting. Very interesting. All right, Caleb, moving on to your college career. You played for a while at Purdue. You were one of the best overall players and big men in, in the nation. And uh, what was your experience like at Purdue with your with your teammates and also with Coach uh, Matt Painter when he was there or when you were there? Uh, one second. The music, let me go inside. What would you say? <laughs> I was saying in your – Moving on to your college career, what was it like playing at Purdue with your teammates and with Matt Painter? And again, your teams really helped put that program on the map. What was your experience like there? Um, it was very fun. A lot of us had a good. We had a good chemistry. That was the biggest thing. We had a great chemistry and um, played uh, played with each other as far as played together. And uh, everyone tried not to be selfish to win as many games as we could. Caleb, in addition to, to Purdue, I, I was reading how you also decommitted from uh, from Michigan State, which is very interesting with uh, with Tom Izzo, mm-hmm. the great coach that he is. What was your decision process really behind that? Um, the choice really came when I went to talk to my dad, and he felt um, it'd been best that I go to Purdue just to give me the best opportunity to get in the NBA. It never was anything relationship or Tom Izzo, still a great person, great things, and great things. The only thing I can say about that program. It really just came down to um, choosing what I thought would be best to get me to the NBA, and um, that's why I ended up decommitting. Another th- another thing that people don't know about is uh, a story that you've actually uh, – that not you personally, but we have been told about you when you arose as a college player. You actually had to lose a lot of weight in order to get to be able to play college basketball and high school basketball. What are, what are some advice you could give to any athlete, whether it's high school, college, that is going through that now that needs to lose all that weight the way they did? What advice could you give to them? Um, find faith with Jesus. That would be the biggest thing. And just go through because you're going to hear a lot of different things, a lot of different stuff, and faith in self and having strength where you can block out that type of noise and just keep going. And um, just, yeah, just keep going and follow what you think it is that you believe, and that's your destiny that's been given to you, and that's all I can really say. Caleb, could we get you on the show where if the basketball season comes back or if there is a basketball season, could we could we get you back on before the playoffs? Um, yes, if there is a playoffs this year, um, absolutely. We all just, you know, you have my number and I have um, your number, so just text me and that all could work. Absolutely. Caleb, just tell all the fans how they can find you all over social media. Uh, I'm on social media. My Twitter handle is Caleb Swanigan 50. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Caleb, for joining us. No problem, sir. As you guys know, Caleb Swanigan, uh, NBA power forward for the Portland Trail Blazers. Great, really great interview. I didn't want to ask any Purdue questions because I, I, I know you follow college basketball at the time that Swanigan actually played for Purdue. I wasn't. He was really good at Purdue, too. He was one of the best players in the nation. I didn't really want to get into the, the questions with Purdue. I knew you had a couple of questions with Purdue, so mm-hmm. I thought they were great. And as you know, Swanigan really gave us some good information. Yes, so. he did. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into some NFL conversation here on Below the Mic. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Huh. Huh. 
<laughs> what are you, a dog? <laughs> oh, man. 631-965-4990 is the number to call, ladies and gentlemen. This is Below the Mic. We are live every single Thursday from 6 p.m. to 9, well, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But we do go sometimes a little bit past 8 p.m. Last week we did, or not, well, last week we went to almost 1 a.m. Well, that was the draft. And, and, and then the week before we had, I think you and Jeff were fighting probably for a good hour or so. Jeff, Jeff's an idiot. I mean, that's that sells by itself. I mean, if anybody wants a list of stupid idiots who talks about crazy... And I'm not taking a shot. I love Jeff. As a person, he's a great person. But as far as arguing back and forth with me and Speedy, he's an idiot. And I, he gets on my nerves. He knows how to hit my buttons. He's very good at it. So is Snug. I, I mean, both of those guys. They're really uh, pains in the you-know-what. As you guys know. And remember, guys, go to our app. If you don't have our app, go on Android. Go on iOS now. All you have to do on iOS, WWSRN, on the Android phone, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Download our app. It is free. You can follow and listen to us and, and read all our stories. Shout out to all our interns that are writing great, great stories. Brad and Garrett and... All of them. They're all great. Jillian and Ricky are two social media guys. Great, 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 great stuff that we have all over social media. Anyways, Chris, uh, Christopher Brown, and now that Jalen Hurts is an eagle, you now have depth. <laughs> and on their depth chart, Wentz hurt. So uh, what do you think about that, Speedy? Carlson Wentz. Yeah, we were talking about that after the show. Yeah, I, I, I mean, again, the jokes will write itself, and we kind of knew that was going to come with with the way social media is now. Again, Christopher, I thought it was for Jalen Hurts. I thought it was a reach in the second round. I didn't. I think in terms of I thought it was a good move. I, yeah, but it's that early, I don't, I don't think so. I understand you want to have a better backup quarterback than what they've had with Nate Sudfeld, and then they had a little stretch with Josh McCown after he retired. So, I mean, you weren't going to get a lot out of out of those guys. And then when Wentz came back, the Eagles had a nice run in the middle at the end of the season to get into the playoffs. But I understand you want to have a better backup quarterback. But again, the second round is you still want to get good value pick. You want to get good starters on your team. The Eagles, again, they addressed the receiver position nicely in the first round and even throughout free agency, but they still needed some help on defense, whether it was a linebacker, whether it was a corner. I think there were, there were a lot of better value, and especially with all the weird value, uh, weird value that fell in the second round, too. But How you they- see that every year, that the value picks, there's so many value picks later, and that's why they say you're – your best part of your draft is in the fourth, fifth, mm-hmm. sixth, and seventh rounds. Most of those players become starters on your team. It's not the first and the second and the third round draft picks, like everybody thinks. Right, but regardless, teams that draft well still have to dra- get hit on those picks as well. Christopher's writing something right now. The Eagles are in the same spot the Bears were before they signed Falls. Now the question becomes, do they bring in a veteran like Dalton or Cam Newton on a one-year prove-it deal. Uh, see, once you draft Hurts, I think at that point you have to stay fully committed. If they didn't draft Hurts, yeah, maybe. Jalen Hurts is the future quarter, starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe, I absolutely believe it. You, you could maybe bring him in if that was the case, but I think with Hurts, again, being kind of similar to what Cam Newton is, I think that would have been interesting. And it's interesting because I actually thought if Cam Newton's stock fell where maybe teams weren't going to be having him as a starter. The Eagles were one of the spots I actually had him going as potentially a backup for Wentz just because of 
they're being very similar type quarterbacks. They're both sophisticated throwers. They're both good runners, throwers on the run kind of thing. But again, now that they did that, I think they're committed to Hurts at this point. And I don't think you want to carry three quarterbacks on your roster. When the Eagles, and, and you look at their depth and the players that they had step up for them last year, they want to carry all that depth and being one of the best rosters in the NFL into the season, too. I think it was a good move by the Philadelphia Eagles because you don't know what Carlson Wentz is anymore. Carlson Wentz tore his ACL, his MCL, his, practically his whole knee. He has not been the same quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's why Foles became the starting quarterback of the team. He won a Super Bowl. They decided to trade him away and and they got some they got something back for him i mean but again when you look at carlson wentz and where carlson wentz is in his career it's a make or break year for carlson wentz if carlson wentz doesn't take this team to the promised land where everybody saw Foles do i i think this could be the last year you see carlson wentz as the starting quarterback of the philadelphia eagles right now he's on a contract that's going to be hard to move i don't think so i I don't think there are a lot of teams that would absolutely bring in carlson wentz carlson wentz is still to me, a top 10 quarterback in this league. The problem with Carson Wentz is he, he hasn't proved it really it, it, since he's taken over, taken back the, the starting quarterback position. Jalen Hurts is a guy that I believe they think could take over for Carson Wentz. They paid him a lot of money. Carson Wentz got a lot of money. Right. That's why I think it's going to be a hard contract to move where being there's not a lot. For the of- amount of money some of these quarterbacks are going to get made, uh, some of these quarterbacks could make. I mean, Dak Prescott wants $40 million. Some of these quarterbacks, these young quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Sam Donald, that's, what, that's the money they're going to get. You can get Carson Wentz on the cheap. Right now, that's a cheap mm. deal. That's a cheap deal for what some of these quarterbacks are going to well, make. It's almost now. thirty million dollars a year. Yeah. I don't know if that's on the cheap necessarily. Really, because now you're hearing that the next uh, the next uh, type of quarterbacks that are going to get big time contracts are going to make thirty five to forty million. Okay, that's fair to an extent. But again, if you're gambling, let's say you're the Cowboys, if you're gambling on giving Dak maybe five million dollars more, or gambling on Wentz, I'd gamble on the healthier Dak if you're going to do that, rather so, than having to trade draft stock, which you're going to have to give up. And I mean, yeah. So okay. you're going to pay Dak Prescott between thirty-five and forty million dollars. You're already paying him close to thirty million dollars because you franchised him this year. That's what he's getting. He's getting okay. close to no, $29 million. Not, and I'm not saying I would pay Dak, but I'm saying if it came down to trading for Wentz, we might have to give up a second-round pick, a third-round pick. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Probably a third, maybe a second, a late second, and maybe a fourth-round pick. Okay, but again, that's still draft stock that you, you could use to build the rest of your team. We were talking about all the times how the Cowboys lost a lot on their defense and – uh, they have they lost a lot on their offensive line, and again, for injury prone quarterback who played behind a great offensive line in Philadelphia, that that is not a good sign. I mean, when you look at what the what teams are going to value, they value their draft stock more. They value young players, affordable players, and I think that's going to be hard for them to do. Plus, again, there's really not a lot of spots where that kind of quarterback is needed. There's a there's a reason Cam Newton and Andy Dalton and guys like that who are who were good quarterbacks. Cam Newton was a great quarterback in his prime. They haven't been signed yet. It's, there's not a lot of spots. Well, well hold right on now. one second. Cam Newton hasn't been signed because Cam Newton doesn't want to be signed. Now you're going to see. I I will bet you by next week Cam Newton will have a team and he will be playing for a team and he'll be the starting quarterback for that team next week because sure, but he's not a he's not going to be a backup quarterback in a league and and I do believe there will be a team out there that are going to offer him at least two or three year deal where it's going to bring him in. I I still think the Chargers could be the team. It could be, but I'm saying my point is because there's not a lot of spots open that's a that's a reason why i'm not saying it's the only reason but that's a reason why these guys haven't been signed yet because a 
lot of teams have young quarterbacks. There's more young quarterbacks that are instant impact than we've seen before, where a lot of times you they'll sit out a year and then you'll get them later. Now there's not a lot of spots, and that's why a lot of these names haven't been signed yet. Even Jameis Winston is the only one that was really on the radar of these this new group. He's going to the Saints. Who just signed with the Saints. That's really the only one that's been signed at this point. We're still waiting on camera. Well, that's because he didn't get Andy anything going. back from the Saints. I mean, the Saints didn't have to trade anything away, and they gave him a cheap contract for a backup backup quarterback. What is he making? $2 million a right. year? Mm-hmm. I and mean, again, that's a, that's a no, that's a nothing deal for no. Jameis Winston, who was the number one pick a couple of years ago. Right. So that's where it's come down to where you look at the value because these t- other teams don't need the quarterbacks. Are they going to be able to do or are they going to want to go after that? And that's the thing I think with Wentz that will make it hard, especially if he does have more injury problems. And that can make it harder for them to trade on that big of a contract, even though, yeah, it might get better. It might or it might get higher. It's still a pretty big contract. When we come back, we are going to have NFL prospect uh, David Pindell with us. So definitely stay tuned for that here on Below the Mic. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What? What? Little Dr. Trey, Snoop Dogg, here we go. My name is Speedy and I'm here to say I don't like Fruity Pebbles in a major way. <laughs> that's that's snug right there. As you guys know, this up this is uh, below the mic. We are we're actually waiting for David Pindell to join us here on below the mic. As you guys know, our number to call is 631-965-4990. As you guys know, you can reach us by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Yes, it's www.worldwidesportsradio.com. And we have our second guest on the show, and we're going to be talking to NFL prospect David Pindell. What's going on, Dave? Hey, what's going on? Appreciate you guys for having me. Absolutely, my friend. How are you doing right now? How's your family? Uh, everything's going well, you know, um, you know, just hanging in there, trying to, you know, get as much work in and do as much as I can with the resources I have around me with everything that's going on. But, um, you know, I'm living and, you know, handling every day, day by day, doing as much as I can, staying with family and, you know, spend as much time with family as I can. A lot, of, a lot, of, a lot of social distancing? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. That's a big factor, you know, uh, trying, to, trying to get used to the new norm is, it's not normal, but, you know, we got to get used to it. So just being able to work out one person a day, just getting used to that because normally around a group of at least eight, nine people, but just being around one person a day, uh, getting used to it. Dave, what is it like being a prospect and watching the NFL draft virtually? And you, you always have the dream that you're going to go to the NFL draft and shake Roger Goodell's hands like, and have the experience of walking on that stage and putting on the, uh, the team's hat. And and waiting for your name being called. Uh, it's definitely a dream come true. You know, a lot of people don't get this opportunity to you know even reach the level or just get to get to the level that I was able to get to. So it's definitely a dream come true. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And um, you know, it took a lot. You know, getting there. Like a lot of people don't see from uh, outside looking in. I think it's just a uh, it's just a, a, a chance a lot of people players get lucky at, but you know a lot of people who get that opportunity they they've worked their whole life for that, 
and they put in a lot of work and overtime to get to that opportunity. So, you know, it's just it's a really special moment for a lot of us athletes and football players. And, you know, a lot of players are blessed enough to get that opportunity to get the call and, you know, go up on that stage and hear their name called and get selected by a team that wants them. David, you were a running quarterback when you were at UConn, and a lot of running quarterbacks are thought of in, when it comes to NFL scouts. Are they going to play quarterback? Are they going to play running back? Are they going to play receiver? Did when you were when you were proving yourself at the combine and other pro days and stuff like that? Did they make you play other positions there? And if so, did you like embrace it, or are you surprised they didn't work you out as a quarterback all the time? What was your thought process to all that in terms of what they had you do? Oh, well, leading up to the draft process, you know, teams were telling me, you know, the best chance for me to make a roster is I have to change my position. But, um, you know, at my pro day, when I ended up throwing, the uh, scout from the Patriots had told me, uh, you don't have to run any routes or do anything else. We believe you could throw. You have a great arm or anything like that. So, you know, I didn't have to run any routes, catch any punts, or do any other thing, any other drills. I just threw the ball, showed my arm, and then, uh, you know, after that, it just a lot of, you know, when I went to minicamp, it's just a, they put me at running back. Then they put me at receiver and they had me at punt return. So it was just, you know, it was weird because, like, there's nothing about me in my film or anything that shows I played any of those positions or that I had any interest in that because, you know, that's, I played quarterback all my life. That's all I trained with, trained as. And that's, that's all I've been doing and to, for them to just, you know, randomly throw me at three positions I've never done. It was just, it was hard, but, you know, it was a learning experience and you learn things every day and everything happens for a reason. So, you know, I, had, I made most of it while I, could, while I could while I was down there and, you know, moved on, went to uh, Montreal, finished the season out in Montreal in the CFL as a quarterback. And which we're in between today, he's still training as a quarterback and, uh, hopefully get uh, signed by a team within the next couple weeks with a CFL draft happening tonight. And um, going from there. We are talking to NFL prospect David Pindell. Now, David, is there a player in particular that you've played this past year that you feared or, oh, God, I got to play that guy? Is there a player that you just feared when you stepped on the football field? Mm-hmm. I want to say there's a player that I feared, but there was a lot of, a lot of guys on a lot of different teams that are, uh, you know, they were great players, good competitors, and you know, it showed they played. They they were like that in college. A lot of players I played against in college that uh, were fortunate enough to make it to the next level. That uh, still show what they did in college. They transferred over, but um, you know, I can't name any individuals. But you know, there was a lot of teams that you know had a bunch of talent. Even throughout the practices, I learned from a lot of players. A bunch of talented players I was able to meet. And, you know, just get to watch and learn from. That way, you know, I can pick their brain. I can also, you know, incorporate it in my game as well. David, you were a running quarterback yourself, obviously, in college. Uh, we've discussed on this show many times the run, the running quarterback is becoming kind of that new norm. You have to have some level of mobility with these RPO offenses, these quicker release offenses. Do you think that's headed that way? And do you think it'll last long term or do you think it's just a phase? Um, I think I think it's, def- it's definitely uh, 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 changing and changing to like a you know spread uh, no huddle type of college offense, as you would say. That's what the league is going towards, and I think it'll keep going that way as long as you know a lot, a lot of these quarterbacks with these type of skill sets 
continue to prove themselves and prove that they, they can, you know, win with these type of abilities and these type of offenses because at the end of the day, it's all about winning. When you have a quarterback with a skill set that's considered a dual threat or a running quarterback, as you would say, if, with someone that has that ability and can do that, they can also prove that they can win. I felt like the leagues are, they have no choice but to go towards that direction because that's what's, that's what's winning. That's what's, you know, making the fans happy. Dave, what is it like playing for UConn? Uh, over, over the years, they've been known for a basketball school, and there are a couple of good NFL players that have come from UConn. And uh, we talk about uh, we we could talk about some of the running backs and some of the tight ends and some of the wide receivers that have come out of the school, but no no quarterback that really stood out. And 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 believe it or not, I have I have heard of you, David. David, uh, is there anything that stood out to you when you decided to go and play for UConn? Um, not really. I mean, I narrowed it down to my last two options between Temple and UConn, and they both had good facilities, good programs, good people there. Coaches were really great. The uh, biggest thing for me, you know, I just felt like for me, making my decision to go to UConn over Temple was, you know, I wanted to be in an environment that felt like college, felt like a college town and campus where, you know, Philly is more of like the city life, a lot more going on in Philly. And compared to Connecticut, where it's like, you know, stores is in the middle of nowhere, big campus. So that's probably the biggest, biggest decision, biggest decision maker of me choosing UConn, just, you know, the campus lifestyle and just having a feel for, you know, being on a campus rather than, you know, being in a downtown city. David, in terms of UConn, when, when you were there, the two years you were there, they were in the AAC, which, again, is, has become a rising conference, probably maybe the best or second best one of the non-Power 5 conferences. We saw UCF go undefeated and declare themselves national championships, and even teams like Memphis and Cincinnati. What was the toughest team in that conference that you played against in your time there? There was quite a few teams. A bunch of, a bunch of teams in that league are actually competitive, and, you know, I think they can compete with – bunch of the power five teams but um to say a few you know both of the florida teams central and south florida they were pretty uh dominant on uh both sides of the ball had a bunch of good great players that i played against um you know temple they always a powerhouse you know competing with a big bunch, bunch of power five schools and another school that's you know been slept on lately is uh cincinnati cincinnati is they've been having their upcoming uh their rise last couple of years with the new coach um they had a nice, a pretty good quarterback, I would say, and they've had a good, uh, a pretty good running back the last couple of years. So those are a couple of teams to name in uh, that conference that uh, stood out to me that uh, gave us a good run. Also Memphis, they have a, uh, they've been pretty solid the last couple of years. So overall, it's just you know the conference is is well is well rounded. That conference have a lot of good teams, a lot of good competitors that can you know play at it the at the higher levels or higher conferences, as you would say. We are talking to NFL prospect David Pindell. Now, David, is there a particular player that NFL player that's reached out to you uh, when you were going through the whole process of the combine? Is there a player that really stood out and said, you know, I'm going to call David up and, and try to help him out with this process? Um, not really. I don't think I don't think a lot of people know about me or still don't know about me yet. You know, I'm still trying to you know push my name out there. And anywhere I can with, you know, college being over with. I don't have, I'm not in college anymore. I think the biggest way I've been, you know, connecting with people and stuff is through my social media. You know, a lot of my individual workouts and football workouts that I post, 
has been reaching people in uh, different locations. You know, I was able to, you know, chat with Shane Boyd, former Kentucky quarterback, and he used to play for the Titans. Um, Vince Young, to name a few, Des Bryant, and things like that. You know, they just they uh, they see my workout video and they uh, they uh, they say they like my workout video, they like to see what I'm doing. So that's the biggest way I've, you know, reaching out to people and reaching, getting my name out there across the across the globe just by my social media posts. So for me right now, it's just, you know, continue doing my posts and continue just working on showing with what I can do. David, growing up, when you fell in love with the game of football, who were your main influences, either as a quarterback or as a football player, that you watched a lot and, again, looked at, maybe looked at tape a lot, and got you in love with the game? Um, I got into football my sophomore year of high school. And that's when I first started probably watching this stuff. So wow. It was a, it was a Michael Vick and Aaron Rodgers, one of my two favorite players. That's why, you know, look up to, try to model my game after them too. So. When, when, when you think of hobbies that you have, and everybody's got a hobby. Uh, my hobby, if I'm, not, if I'm not doing radio or I'm not DJing, because I do that on the side, I love to dance. What are your hobbies? What do you like to do off the field? I like to um I like to listen to music. Uh, what kind of music do you like? Walks. Um, mostly mostly hip hop, but uh, I've actually been listening to a bunch of Latino music lately. Like, <laughs> I can't under, I can't understand it, but I definitely like the instrumentals of it. So, like, <laughs> I, I have like a whole playlist of Latino music, and then the instrumentals just I just like listening to them. So, David. Talking about your post-college experience, you had a workout with the XFL in uh, Dallas with the Dallas Renegades before the league and ultimately we just had the hiatus and now the league is potentially going bankrupt. Do you think it will come back uh, next year? And if you, if so, do you think it will succeed if it comes back? Um, I can't really, I can't really tell what's going to happen with everything going on because we're not even certain that we'll even have an NFL or CFL season this season. So, you know, with the XFL, understand what's going on. It's like them folding and don't know if they're going to be here next year or not. But I'm sure everyone is looking forward to them being here next year. Everybody wants them to be here next year because the past first five weeks that they had, uh, it got a lot of people's attention. Everybody was enjoying it. And it was uh, it was exciting, you know, watching watching a new, a new league of football and a lot of players chase their dreams and get an opportunity show what they can do um it was really it was really exciting for people to you know watch that so i think we're all pushing for it to come back out next year and to just be as successful most successful as possible we are talking to nfl prospect david pindell now david uh this year in the draft there were 14 wide receivers drafted in the first two rounds which is most ever and you've seen we've seen a couple of years ago there were five quarterbacks Drafted in the first round, which is the first time ever. When you look at the speed of the game and, and these athletes, we, we have 365-pound linemen running a 5.1 at the 40-yard combine. Now, do you, do you think the game is just getting faster and the players are just getting faster than the game? Yeah, definitely. Every, uh, every year there's a new group of talent coming in, and as the years get uh, – as the years come – it just seems like the talent is getting younger, faster and faster. They're getting better, and they're, they're also getting smarter. So I just think uh, as time comes, you know, this new generation of athletes 
different breed of kids. They just, you know, they're better athletes than the previous ones. So, you know, working out, training the facilities, coaches, these uh, strength and conditioning coaches, I think that have a lot to do with them. They're putting these good programs together for these guys and having them on the right uh, workout regimen and, you know, have them eating right and, you know, doing the right things to take care of their body and, you know, a bunch of the uh, unnormal things are starting to become normal. Last question for me, David. You were talking about the speed of the game and the offensive game that has come now. Do you think that has to do more with the coaches being more offensive, a lot of offensive head coaches? Is it system? Is it just the way the game is now? Or do you think it's more with, again, the way these guys are built in terms of working out a younger age, maybe more than ever, putting speed on at a younger age? What do you contribute most to that? Um, Probably... If I had to say, I just think, you know, football has become a big thing across the globe. So, you know, a lot of kids, they have, you know, personal trainers. They uh, they invest into their, like, their football careers at an earlier age now where, you know, they get individual training, speed training at an early age, you know, from 7th grade, 8th grade, throughout high school and then throughout post-college and going into college, they just have so many – it's so many, you know, private trainers and private instructors that, you know, train these kids, do speed work with them at an early age. And by the time, you know, they get to college, it's just like they're so uh, mature and they're so ready to, you know, just show their full potential. So I think it has a lot to do with, you know, coming up as an early age, working out as an early age, and training as an early age. David, before we let you go, who's your favorite hip-hop artist? <laughs> Um, right now, it's it's been YG lately, but he hasn't been dropping any music lately. So I've been listening to a lot of Low Dirt, hmm. Turbo. No. Very interesting. Very interesting. David, why don't you tell the fans how they can find you all over social media? You can find me on you know Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, David Tindell underscore. Facebook, David Tindell. Snapchat, D Tindell. Uh, hit me up. Try to answer as many messages as possible. Um, and, yeah, whatever you got questions or anything, hit me up. I'll try to respond if I can. Well, Dave, if when, when you do get signed from the CFL, the NFL, we would like to get you back on and, and talk a little NFL or CFL football. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right, David. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. David Pindell, NFL prospect, really, really nice guy. Um, hopefully, uh, in the next couple of days, he'll be signed with a CFL team or an FL team. It's, it's very, very interesting. This kid is very, very fast. Uh, I, I think he ran his 40. What, what did he run his 40 in? I don't remember exactly. I think it was a 4.6. I, I, I believe it was in the 4.6 range or uh, low 4.5. Which is fast for mm-hmm. a quarterback. He, he's a fast quarterback, and he's, he's got a pretty good arm. So, uh, I'm very surprised he didn't get, uh, he didn't get drafted or somebody didn't bring him in as an unrestricted free agent. So mm-hmm. I'm very surprised that NFL team. And he, he gave us some good information that he he was training with the Patriots and the Patriots told him they want to see if he could play special teams. And he he's never did any of he's never done mm-hmm. any of those things. So it's very, very interesting how when you come into the NFL, you there's a good chance you might not be playing at the position that you've played your whole life. Uh, when you have the ability to run and you can't teach speed, there's an opportunity that you could play another position in right. the NFL. Especially with running quarterbacks. We've seen that a lot. Remember 
back at, I think it was 2013, Denard Robinson, the Michigan quarterback. Yep. He took over as a running back for Jacksonville and played very well for, I think, two or three seasons. So sometimes that ends up happening. You're seeing it now at Taysom Hill. And again, the uh, we're it was mentioned a lot with Jalen Hurts. We were talking about earlier. They might use him like a Taysom Hill. So that'll be interesting if they line up as a running back or a receiver, which he did play a little bit in some packages at Alabama, too. It's very, very interesting. And David gave us a good interview. So when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, me and Speedy are going to argue a point. Is Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers the better quarterback? I've been arguing with people throughout the day, not only on social media, but all over Long Island. I, we're going to get right into this because, to me, it really irks me on what people are saying. When we, hit, when we come back, and there are a lot of millennials that have no idea how good Brett Favre was. When we come back, me and Speedy Petey are going to argue these points here on Below the Mic. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. As you guys know, Speedy, it's Speedy time. We got to get a drop for this. We definitely do. <laughs> yeah, we do. That would we be do. a good idea. We definitely have to get a drop for this. <laughs> Sing along with Speedy Petey. Here we go. Welcome to your life. Sing it, Speedy. There's no turning back. Even while we sleep. Some enthusiasm. We will find you acting on your best behavior. Turn your back on Mother Nature. Everybody wants to. 631-965-4990. Speedy Beedy. Oh, my God. That is great. That really does. It It really sets the mood for this show. It, it really does. does. It, it really does. Your voice is, is, is better than mine, that's for sure. But, again, he can sing a little bit better than me. I think he can. Right. Maybe we can argue that, but six three one nine six five four nine nine zero. As you know, this is below the mic. This this show is live every single Thursday from six p.m. to eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'd like to thank Caleb Swanigan, the Portland Trailblazers power forward, of joining us uh, earlier uh, in the show at six thirty, and uh, definitely uh, the NFL prospect, our NFL prospect, the NFL prospect of the show, David Pindell, who is the quarterback of the UConn UConn Huskers or Huskies Huskies I, uh, Huskies Huskers Huskers is Nebraska. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you know what, Speedy? You are a pain in my rear end. You know that? You really are. Anyways, uh, there has been a lot of arguments. Who is the better quarterback of, of the Green Bay Packers in history? And we've argued this. I've been arguing this for weeks and really months. And I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. I'm a very big Aaron Rodgers fan. I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL, and I know everybody says, well, how could he be underrated, uh, underrated when he's one of the best quarterbacks? Yeah, I was going to say. I've but, never heard underrated put under him. You know <laughs> what it is, is people forget Aaron Rodgers sometimes because of all the young quarterbacks that are in the league. And Aaron Rodgers, with the injuries that he's had year in and year out for the last, I don't know, five or six years with the collarbone, he's had two collarbone breaks, and he's had ankle problems, foot problems, uh, what is it, turf toe, and, and all the different injuries this guy has had. 
he really hasn't been the player that a lot of people thought he was going to be statistically. I mean, if this guy played the three years that he wasn't sitting on the bench with Brett Favre, maybe his numbers would be even better. And I know that is not the argument here on who is better or who who would you take right. when it came to a big game or uh, what quarterback uh, is the better quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And a lot of these millennials, these younger millennial fans, the Green Bay Packer fans – think that Aaron Rodgers was a better quarterback than Brett Favre. And you can argue those points because Aaron Rodgers is a mobile quarterback. He's done a lot of things that we haven't seen a quarterback do mobily until we've seen. He was really one of the first uh, of our, you know, really the 2000. The top thrower running quarterback. Yeah, but uh, right. of this era, of okay. the last 15 years, he's, he's really stood out. I mean, you, you remember Steve Young and Johnny Unitas, and they were good running mobile quarterbacks of those, of those times. But the big one that really stands out in these times is Aaron Rodgers. He was the guy, and he's been the guy. And that's why a lot of people just completely love the guy because of what he has done for the NFL. And really, some of these young quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, the Sam Darnolds of the world, and the Cam Newtons, He's really set the stage for the mobile quarterback and really has transitioned the game because of it. But Brett Favre, and I know everybody's going to say, well, he's a gunslinger. He's thrown uh, the, most into, in the most interceptions, but he also has the most court- touchdowns. Or so he, they had the he most did. Touchdowns. He did so have Peyton the most Manning, touchdowns. Broke well, he broke it, but he did have the most right. touchdowns in NFL history. And, then, and obviously Drew Brees broke it, and then uh, Tom Brady broke it too. So they both passed him. So, but... Brett Favre, statistically, is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And it, you can argue your point. Well, Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he, he's, he's one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in a league. But if you compare Aaron Rodgers' numbers to Brett Favre, they're not even close. You can't even argue that. Right now, Aaron Rodgers is throwing a little bit over 40,000 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right? I'm pretty sure. It's about... I'm, I'm trying to pull out his numbers because I had uh, David's uh, numbers up. But I'm pretty sure Brett Favre. Yeah, 46,946 career passes. How many yards. years? In, he started in 2008, so that would be 12 seasons as a starter. Okay. And how many years did Brett Favre have as a starter? Brett Favre started from 1992 to 2010. That was his last year with Minnesota. And he only played 13 games. So, so that's, that's 17 years. 17 years. He had 71,838 yards. Okay. And how many touchdowns? 508 touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers in his career has 364 touchdowns. Well, Aaron Rodgers had two MVPs, if I'm not mistaken, right? No, he only had one. He had one MVP to Brett Favre's three. Mm-hmm. And Brett Favre, and you can argue. Oh, no, you're right. Two-time MVP. Yeah, yeah two-time. Two-time MVP. And mm-hmm. yeah, Favre, Favre had three. Right. Both won one Super, one Bowl, Super Bowl, and Aaron Rodgers did not have an AP Offensive Player of the Year while Brett Favre did. And and I, I'm I'm not arguing that Brett Favre is that much better than Aaron Rodgers, but a lot of the young millennials don't. They've really never saw Brett Favre at the top of his game because they were too young. If you're t- between twenty and twenty twenty seven years old, you were a kid, you were a baby when Brett Favre was at the top of his game. I was young when Brett Favre was on the top of his game. I was like... You were my age. <laughs> yeah, I was like... I, no, no. But oh, no, you were younger than that. I yeah. was younger. I was yeah. like 15, 16 years old when Brett Favre was at the top of his game. So I understand the millennials want to say, well, well, look at the interception rate to the touchdown rate and look at, look at the completion percentage and, and all that other stuff. Yes, the completion percentages 
are are a little bit different. What what is, what is uh, 64 to 62 or a completion percentage. Which is not that much. Which is not much. And you also have to factor in, too, that in this newer uh, analytic-based NFL, too, completion percentage is valued a lot more than it was back then, too. So if Brett Favre played in this time, odds are it would be something similar to 64 just because they had that. And even though, again, Mike Holmgren was a great coach, Mike McCarthy, both, which both of them had, was a great coach, the analytics weren't there to really value completion percentage a lot more. And again, also the styles of offense too. Mike McCarthy, you say it all the time, was mostly a West Coast offense guy. Mm -hmm. And again, those value completion percentage a lot more. Those play concepts value screens and slants a lot more, which are higher percentage throws than what Favre to deal with. Mike Holmgren's offense was a lot more, I wouldn't say sophisticated, because both are very sophisticated, but they valued a lot more with deeper throws. They valued in terms of just the consistent plays, the Seahawks didn't do a lot of screens, even when Holmgren was, was in Seattle, and neither did the Packers. Amon Green was more of a pure runner, but not really a pass-catching type. So. Well, the game is completely different, right. too. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, when, when Brett Favre was at the top of his game, uh, the, the game was more of a defensive game. You could actually put your hands on wide receivers and spin them around. Now, you, if you touch a wide receiver, even pinky touch them... Uh, you're gonna call up. You're gonna call a penalty on those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett Favre played in a time where the corners can hover over the wide receiver, so he had to he had to make the throws even more precisely than they, they than you have to do now in these days. So the games were completely different. The speed of the game was completely different. Absolutely, the speed of the game is more implement, implemented in this day this day and age than it was in that day and age. But Defenses were better. There were much better defensive players in those times. The Ronnie Lotts, the Deion Sanders, even Darrell Rivas at the top of his game when he was younger. That was when Brett Favre was playing, when he was, when he was at practically the prime of his career. So the game was completely different, and I think the players were a little bit better in the 90s than they are today. Now, does that mean that Brett Favre is that much better than Aaron Rodgers? No, it doesn't. And, I'm, and I still think Aaron Rodgers is a first ballot Hall of Fame, just as much as Brett Favre is. Right. But... The fact that the millennials believe that Aaron Rodgers is that much better than than Brett Favre, they they don't know what you're talking about. Right, especially really not. Especially since again, because he's had those injuries, it hasn't allowed him to age the same way. And you're talking about injuries. Brett Favre barely ever got injured. Right. The guy played injured all the time. He played in every game. He had a, I think he had a broken ankle one time, and he played in all. You know, he played for two weeks, right. and he was he was in a boot. Uh, after the game for, for, for three or four weeks until he healed. Mm-hmm. And he played he, so many times Brett Favre played with broken bones, broken finger, and he still played. Aaron Rodgers, he breaks, he breaks a pinky. He's out for four weeks. Mm-hmm. It's, a different, it's a different game, obviously. The speed of the game is different, and he play, they're both different style of quarterbacks. But again, the argument isn't that Brett Favre is that much better than Aaron Rodgers, but for the millennials to come out and say that – Aaron Rodgers, for sure, is the better quarterback. They don't know what they're talking about because right. they're not. They, it's so untrue. It, I mean, the numbers show that it, they're not even close if you compare their numbers. Right. And again, the other thing that's factored into that is the interceptions. That's what a lot of these people. Of course, argue. he but was again, a gunslinger. He right. was a different quarterback. Right. And it's a different style of offense. And, a different and style so. of defense too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can hover over the wide receivers. You could pull the wide receivers down and then catch the ball. 
We've seen that many, many times in the 90s and the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So the game completely changed, and that had something to do with rules, the NFL rules, the speed of the game. They wanted to make the game a little bit better, and, so, and they, wanted to, they wanted to make it a quarterback game. So guys like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, at the, the middle of their careers, they benefited from it, and that's why their numbers are right there with guys like Brett Favre. If you compare Brett Favre's numbers to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady – they're very similar, but Tom Brady and Peyton Manning played in a time where the game changed offensively, the speed of the game, and the change of the rules helped those guys really develop their skills. Brett Favre really didn't get the opportunity to do it, and he really didn't have the opportunity to do it in the game when it really changed, and the rules really changed to help the quarterback. Now, what time period would you say they changed? Because I know Roger Goodell, 2004. Roger Goodell didn't become commissioner until, I think, 06 or 07. 2004. And then Roselle was still there before that. So you say 04. 04. Yeah, when, when really uh, Eli Manning came into the league and Roethlisberger and Rivers came mm-hmm. into the game, it started changing. It started okay. transitioning. All right, yeah, because... If, and then Brett Favre was still in the league, but mm-hmm. he was at the end of his career. Wait, look at this 20, 2009 season with the Vikings. So that's insane. 4,202 yards, 33 touchdowns. You could see the numbers, how it, yeah. see the numbers just raised. And this is a guy that was in his, you know, almost in his 40s. And also, when he got there, he didn't have the same level of uh, talent around him that the Packers and earlier in his career and even when McCarthy was there, the talent they had with the receivers, too. The Vikings had Sidney Rice, who was decent, but that was really it. So he really had to make a lot of those guys towards the end of his career. He threw seven into seven. Interceptions that year. Mm-hmm. Seven interceptions. Brett Favre at the age of what? 36, 37 years old? Yep. So again, uh, I know a lot of people want to take shots at Brett Favre and say Brett Favre was a gunslinger. He threw more interceptions than touchdowns, which is completely a lie. <laughs> you know, I, I understand a lot of people just don't like Brett Favre because the guy was a nasty person off the field. But again, so is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is taking shots at players on his team. They're very identical when it comes to... Matter of fact, a lot of the players love Brett Favre. Greg Jennings didn't like Aaron Rodgers. You've, we've, Jermichael Finley, who was his best tight end when Aaron Rodgers really was at the top of his game. Jermichael Finley was the best tight end he's ever played with Aaron Rodgers or the, 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 the only guy that really had the numbers to say that he played very well with Aaron Rodgers. That was Rogers. the only one. And yeah. He never played with Favre. And though, he hated Aaron Rodgers. Right. He never played with Favre. I think he was a rookie the year in 08 when Brett Favre went to the Jets. So he never got to compare, but you're right. That's, if you the, ask only, Greg that's Jen- the only great year he's had. If you ask Greg Jennings who was his favorite player, who, who did he like to play for, Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers, he will tell you Brett Favre. Because mm-hmm. Brett Favre was more of a team player. Aaron Rodgers is to himself. And you could say whatever you want. And I'm not taking shots at Aaron Rodgers because he's a fantastic talent. Nobody is taking that away from him. He is my favorite quarterback in the league. I, I love watching Aaron Rodgers play because he does things that you never see. Mm-hmm. You never see a guy at the end of the game sling a ball down the field at 70 yards in, the middle of, in, in a playoff game. <laughs> Twice, yeah. In a playoff game where, where he makes these throws, these acrobatic throws, which takes his, takes his teams to overtime and almost wins these games when they had no business trying to win. Right. He did it twice, too. I think the first one was a fourth and 20-something from his own end zone. This was against the Cardinals. He makes that throw to Jeff Janis, and then he does the same thing on a touchdown as time expired when the Cardinals are blitzing a bunch of guys. So it was very interesting. Obviously, they did lose that game later, but that was because of the defense not being able to tackle Larry Fitzgerald. But it really bothers me. It really does, because we're not comparing Tom Brady to Brett Favre or Peyton Manning to Brett Favre. We're comparing Aaron Rodgers to Brett Favre. Both players played on the same team. They played... 
practically the same amount of years on the Green Bay Packers. How many how many years did uh, Brett Favre play with the Green Bay Packers? From 92 to 2007, so that would be 16 seasons versus Aaron Rodgers, who was drafted in 05. Twice he sat. So from 2008 to, to this year, it's probably the equivalent of probably 11 full seasons with the injuries. I All right, so he's played five more seasons than Brett Favre with the Green Bay Packers. So if you cut out Brett Favre six seasons from – uh, um, the Green Bay Packers. I guarantee you, Brett Favre would still have better numbers than Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers. I think so too. I mean, if you're judging it just the way law, of you can you could take yeah. you could take his best seasons away from him on the Green Bay Packers. He'd still have better numbers than uh, than Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. So for anybody to think that Brett Favre is not better than Aaron Rodgers, then you don't know football. You don't. I'm not saying that Brett Favre is that much better than Aaron Rodgers. But if you compare numbers and understand what those teams were with Holmgren and Mike McCarthy, because Brett Favre did play with Mike, Holm, uh, Mike McCarthy for a little bit. Mm-hmm. He was there for Mike McCarthy's begin- yeah, mm-hmm. for the beginning of his career as, as, as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And he had very good seasons with Mike McCarthy. So you can't tell me that Brett Favre couldn't play the West Coast offense because he could. But they drafted a young quarterback in the, in the 20s that could have been or should have been the number one pick in that draft. <laughs> he wanted to be. <laughs> And he got screwed, and then the 49ers passed up on him, and he went to the Green Bay Packers. So, again, I, I just – it bothers me, and it mind-boggles me when I listen to the millennials talk about Aaron Rodgers and take shots at Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback because, to me, Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. And a lot of people – I'm one of the people that stands up for Aaron Rodgers. Every time they try to compare <laughs> Tom Brady to Aaron Rodgers, I, I can <laughs> – I can really, I can look at their numbers and cut out Tom Brady, you know, five or six years out of Tom Brady's numbers, and they're very similar. They're very the, similar. I remember those classic arguments when I first came on this network with you and the beef over that with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And Mike from RTF says, "Don't compare numbers. Compare it by eyes." Favre was a pretty damn good. Yes, but Rod puts the team on his back and wins. Yeah, and so did Brett Favre. Brett Favre put the team on his back and won. He won a Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, mm-hmm. if you forgot. Against uh, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Not Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells. Okay? And, and yes, Brett Favre threw a lot of interceptions. He played in a different time. They, the game was different. The defense was different. You can hang on wide receivers. You can push wide receivers to the ground and intercept the ball. Now you can't even put a pinky on a wide receiver and you're calling a foul. You're calling a penalty. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. You're going to tell me that if Brett Favre started his career in the prime time of his career now with the game the way it is now and the, the rules the way they are now, that Brett Favre wouldn't have the same numbers as all these other quarterbacks? You're crazy. You could probably, his numbers would be better. You could probably add maybe 70 touchdowns or something like that. Absolutely. To that, to that level. More than that. Absolutely more than that. Mm-hmm. And Brett Favre never played. Brett Favre never missed a game, really. The, la- the last time he missed a game was again with the Jets. If Those you remember, last year, last year in Minnesota. Yeah, but I'm talking about the game that that really when he was at he was at somewhat good. He was a good player. Was with the with the Jets. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sorry, you could say whatever you want about Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not. Hold on, different time. In, uh, so interceptions wasn't interceptions. LOL. Get out of here. If Favre was a what is that tad bit better? Tad bit better. He, he would have three rings. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second, Mike. Uh, so. So you're telling me that if Aaron Rodgers played on those teams or the Green Bay Packers, he'd have more rings? 
Because I'll tell you right now, he wouldn't. Brett, yeah, Favre no- play- Brett Favre played on worse offensive lines. He did. He had a better defense. Yes, he did. No question. Reggie White was there. He won He won a Super Bowl with Reggie White's defense. Absolutely did. But the speed of the game was completely different than it is today. Completely different. You also have to factor in, too, that, again, we say it all the time where teams winning Super Bowls or going to Super Bowls is still other factors than just the quarterback, too. Again, both guys have been... Again, they weren't perfect as postseason quarterbacks, but both were decent as postseason quarterbacks, about the same level. Yeah, you're judging same a, records. You're judging you're judging a high parity NFC, which has been this way probably since the '80s, where you have new teams making it all the time. And the '90s really started that when Favre started playing. You had a lot of different teams. This is coming from Bowl. a millennial too, a right. guy that never really got to see him at the top of his game. Right. So you have a lot of different teams that ended up going to the Super Bowl. The Packers made it twice. One year they beat the Patriots, like Aaron was saying. Hold on, you hear what he's saying? Mike's saying yes. Aaron would have won more, a lot more. Look at the talent that Brett had. Look at the talent. Both. Who? Both. Who did he have that was talented? Any of them Hall of Famers? Besides Reggie White, any of them you know that were Hall of Famers? Because I'll tell you this right now. What were they? One or two players, Hall of Famers on the team? I will tell you right now, there were more Hall of Famers played with Aaron Rodgers than probably Brett Favre. Because Brett Favre had Reggie White on the team. Who else is a Hall of Famer on that team besides both, Brett Favre? Both guys had Charles Woodson, so yes. he's going to be a Hall of yes. Famer. When his, Char- uh, both of them had Charles Woodson. And, and, and Devontae Adams is going to be a Hall of Famer. If, if he keeps playing the way he is, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Did... Did Brett Favre have a wide receiver as good as Devontae Adams? No, he did not. I don't care how good Greg, Greg Jennings was. And when Greg Jennings played with Aaron Rodgers, he didn't have anywhere close to the numbers he had with Brett Favre. That shows you how much better Brett Favre was with Greg Jennings. I'd probably say the closest one would probably be Sterling Sharp, I would imagine, yeah. as, as a Hall of Famer. Yes. But I don't think he is either. So, I mean, you're judging that. Jordy Nelson's another interesting one right on the borderline when judging Aaron Rodgers. But again, even if you want to say the cores were similar, again, you still have to look at the, the eras they played in. The reason he had more interceptions was just because that was the way the game was. It wasn't about completion percentage as much. They weren't as targeting, as prioritizing that as much in terms of I agree. Agree, a touchdown interception ratio. They weren't really. Donald looking. Driver? Donald Driver's not a Hall of Famer. Donald, Donald Driver also played with both, though, too. So yes. you can't, you can't but Donald say that Driver either. wasn't a Hall of Famer. He was a and was a good receiver, way, but and, yeah. And Donald Driver was better. He was better with Brett Favre. Every single and and I'll tell you this right now. Besides Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers is a wide receiver killer. Go look at all the wide receivers he's had. None of them, every single one of them, besides Randall Cobb, will tell you that he did not like to play with Aaron Rodgers. Go look, Jermichael Finley. I've interviewed. I, I've interviewed Jermichael Finley. He did not like Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Greg Jennings. He never used that. Greg Jennings did not like Aaron Rodgers. I've heard it on the NFL Network. He didn't like every single person. And I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. I am an Aaron Rodgers fan. Donald Driver is not a Hall of Famer. Sharp Sterling Sharp is a Hall of Famer. But again, Sterling Sharp was at the end of his career when he played with uh, with Brett Favre. So again, your argument is valid. But again, you could say the same thing with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has had the better offensive lines around him. He has. He has. And maybe not the better defense. And I, I would say Aaron Rodgers has had terrible defense. But even the around. defense he had in 07 when they went to the end. Terrible. Not 07. Um, terrible defense. 09. 09 when they went. They were, in, they were a playoff team. His first year as, or second year as a starter. That defense was still pretty good. 
the Super Bowl team did not have a good defense, but they had some good defensive players. It's not like they were a scrap heap defense. They just had a lot of injuries. So it's not like they never did either. And when you're judging when you're judging running games, yes, Brett Favre had Amon Green, but again, Amon Green was also only there for, what, six years mm-hmm. or two? And he wasn't really a pass-catching running back, so you don't really judge that as helping out a quarterback. It's not like he had a Marshall Faulkner or a Danian Tomlinson that also had 700, 800 yards receiving either. So you have that's a factor in, too. Now, granted, Aaron Rodgers ne- didn't necessarily have that either. No, but, but he has Aaron Jones right now. He has Aaron Jones right now. He had Remember, he also had some good years out of James Starks, too, was a yep. good pass-catching back. So they've even if that area is even... You also Eddie remember Lacey too. the concept wasn't there as prevalently either. So you have to judge it that where Brett Favre was mainly only throwing to those guys. So when you judge the, comparing the two talent-wise, okay. But again, the concepts were a lot different to where Favre still had more touchdowns in a tougher era. Still had more touchdowns with, again, different rules. And a, a, an offense that wasn't really revolved around stuff like completion percentage and touchdown interception ratio. Well, Mike Mike is also saying defense is optional now. Anyways, now, these days. Well, defense it's, is optional. It's different. Yeah, it's it, not optional. Here, here's the optional. Defense wins championships, do, does it not? Most of these teams that win championships, it's not because of the quarterback. It's because of the defense and the offensive line. In those days, I'm sorry to say, the quarterback was more important on winning championships than they are these days. Yeah, and again, they're always going to have those trends. Yes, you could you could say it's quote unquote optional, but it's still necessary to to win. You, it's just different in terms of in the when Brett Favre played, they had more power, bigger guys. They had power rushing defensive linemen, powerful linebackers, stuff like that. Now it's more of a speed game, so it's, it's just different. You're right. Maybe the the rules are leaned where you could play more defense, but that doesn't mean that these newer guys couldn't do that and the older guys couldn't succeed in this NFL. We'll never know that. But in terms of what they played, they both played probably similar level of competition because the NFC North, they're kind of phasey with the other three teams. And then you're judging, again, an era where the rules were just a lot tougher for or a lot easier for defensive players, where in comparison now, it's like Errol was saying, you can't put your hands on a wide receiver. Mike, I'm ashamed of you. I really am, because you grew up in the time of Brett Favre, and maybe you hated Brett Favre, but your your answers to what Brett Favre was as a quarterback, he's saying, but to answer your question, Favre will end up being the alpha male because Aaron will not play for the pack this year and demand a trade, therefore hurting his uh, tenure there. First of all, Aaron Rodgers will be a Green Bay Packer this year. He at, will least, absolutely, at least this year, yeah. He will absolutely play for the Green Bay Packers this year. The fact that Jordan Love might be sitting on the bench, the same thing happened with Brett Favre, and Brett Favre had to deal with Aaron Rodgers on the bench for three years. Mm-hmm. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the same thing. Aaron Rodgers, there's nowhere he can go right now, except maybe the Patriots. There's nobody. Cam Newton's still available. There's Andy Dalton. You think anybody's going to take that contract on where Aaron Rodgers is making $31, $32 million? There's nobody that's going to take that when he's 36 years old and the guy can't stay healthy. Yeah. I think the only reason he would definitely get traded is if, like I said earlier. If the Patriots think that they have a chance, they're a quarterback away from being a championship team, then they'd make the move. But I don't think the Patriots think that they're a quarterback away. Maybe, but also I'm just saying from the Packers' circumstances, if he's playing that well and the team is really bad, and say they're maybe 3-6 and six or something at the trade deadline, and he's playing really well, they might be able to sell high on him and move on to love, maybe just to rebuild. But beyond that, there's not going to be any circumstances where that happens. So... I mean, it depends on how he ages in terms of if he'll ever catch up with the numbers. But again, so far, it really hasn't been that way with Aaron Rodgers. He had a nice year last year. Very good year. 26 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, 4,000 yards. Okay. Uh, In terms of 
previous other years, he was injured in 2017, a nice year, 16. So he's been, had some good years, but he's also, again, hasn't had the same year as Favre was in terms of a tougher offense and more touchdowns in different rules. So as you guys know, Speedy sang his song. So I add below the mic, me and Speedy take turns and we sing one song for the fans. We all, we always do it last week. Well, last week I did Mr. Big and I've been doing Mr. Big. This week, we're going to go a little popish, and we're going to sing, I'm going to sing, I Want It That Way, okay? This is for all the fans to hear my terrible, terrible <laughs> singing voice. I have a good radio voice, but singing is not my forte. So if you want to laugh, you want to cut it out and use it for jokes, <laughs> enjoy, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. You are... My fire, the one desire, believe when I say I want it that way. But we are two worlds, but we are two worlds apart. Can't reach to your heart when you say that I want it that way. Tell me why nothing but a heartache. Tell me why nothing but a mistake. Tell me why I never want to hear you say. I want it that way Am I Your fire Your one Desire Yes, I know It's too late But I want it that way Tell me why Ain't nothing but a heartache Tell me why ain't nothing but a mistake. Tell me why I never want to hear you say, I want it that way. Now I can see what we've fallen apart from the way that it used to be. Yeah, no matter the distance, I want you to know. That deep down inside of me You are My fire The one Desire You are, you are, you are, you are Don't wanna hear you Ain't nothing but a heartache Nothing but a mistake I never want to hear you say you're wrong I want it that way Tell me why ain't nothing but a heart Tell me why ain't nothing but a mistake Tell me why I never want to hear you say I want it that way. Tell me why. Ain't 
tell me why I never want to hear you say I want it that way Cause I want it that way That's what you got, guys. I like that ending. That was That's cool. what you got. That's what you got. I hope you're entertained. I hope I entertained all of you here on Below the Mic. We will do this every single week. Enjoy, ladies and gentlemen. I would like to thank our special guests, uh, Portland Trailblazers power forward Caleb Swanigan, and our NFL prospect who joined with us, David Pindell, the UConn uh, prospect. Thank you for joining us. Uh, tomorrow we have uh, our MMA show, Caged in MMA, with me and Anthony Anderosi. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of intake of UFC 249 and stupid Dana White, so we'll get into that <laughs> tomorrow and a little bit of stupidity of what the organization is doing uh, moving forward with this whole epidemic or this pandemic. So uh, we definitely look forward to uh, talking a little MMA with Anthony, Anthony Anderosi. Mr. Speedy Petey, do you have anything to say before we go? Thank you for all the guests that have joined us, Absolutely. not only today, but also just all this week. Thank you for reaching out to us and joining us for the shows today. Again, stay Any st- special guests for next week? We have NFL Network's Cynthia Freeland coming on at 6.15 on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That is all we know for, for next week for right now, but I'll be working on getting more uh, over the weekend. So stay safe. Have a great weekend, everybody. Again, hope your family and everyone is staying safe in your household. Well, if I could scare the COVID-19 out of your bodies, that was, that was it right there. That singing was absolutely <laughs> horrendous. I think, Speedy, you got to cut that out and post that all over social media. That is just completely ridiculous. That was horrible. Absolutely horrible. But, uh, you know, I try to entertain you guys, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, coming up, uh, I, I, by the way, shout out to the Morning Boys. Um, Ryan puts on a great show for us for the Worldwide Sports Radio Network for the Morning Boys. I uh, had some guests today. He, he's really, you know, he really puts us, you know, gives us that morning fling, and we give you the night fling. So we, we'd like to give a shout-out to Ryan, uh, Ryan Hickey for uh, uh, putting out a great show over, you know, really for Monday and Thursday here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Shout-out to RTF Sports Radio Network for posting us and, uh, and really promoting us throughout their network. And uh, big things coming up, our website is I mean I'm sorry not our website uh, our app is up if you guys don't have our app all you have to do is go on iOS and you can go on Android on iOS WWSRN download the app it is free you can follow us you can read our stories listen to us live watch us live it's great check us out and on the Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network and you can find us and and obviously download the app until tomorrow this is Errol Markson's Petey Petey saying good night and we'll talk to you then good night everybody. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.